Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, everybody from Backpage. My name is Neil White, and you're listening to The Big Interview with Graham Hunter at the World Cup. And we've just discovered the identity of our first finalist, Leo Messi and Argentina will be awaiting the winner of France versus Morocco for Sunday's final. Graham, it's about four minutes since the referee blew the final whistle, but the result was decided largely long before that. Well, yeah, yeah, and it wasn't just... I don't think it was just about uh, time, Neil. I, th- I think it was about Croatia going to sleep, Croatia dozing in really crucial moments. We've, I, th- I think we've learned how meticulous, how evolved... Match planning is, and I, and I think match planning throughout most of our lives tended to be, what can we do well? What, what, what do we do best? How can we maximise what we do? And then there was a long spell where it was like, how can we nullify the opposition? How can we prevent them from doing the things they like to do? And, and over this World Cup, it, it has tended to be the team which is conserving energy, um, looking to pounce on mistakes, which has done well. It's the, one of the principal reasons that Brazil are out, for example. And I still have no question whatsoever that Brazil had the most talented squad at the tournament uh, with resources to burn, yet they were, they were Errol Flinning around up the top of the field with so many men committed forward at, um, at 1-0 in a World Cup quarterfinal when they were caught by a sucker punch. And... The sucker punchers were sucker punched in this semi-final as far as I'm concerned. There are rather themes, clearly there are. But, for example, when, um, when, the, when the first goal comes, if it, it, it comes from a moment when Croatia, Croatia are in the ascendancy, Croatia are attacking, and within the blink of an eye, uh, Argentina are down the pitch and scoring. And the things to... Um, I think the highlight, the things that stand out to me would be if you are playing as Croatia were effectively with one striker, then when the ball is being played back at you, whoever he is, however clever he is, and in this instance it's Kramaric, if if the rest of the team isn't set, his efforts to try and stop the opposition playing forward can be worthless. And in this instance, when... 
um, when the ball gets played forward for the penalty, there's there's a moment when it comes out from Otamendi, and it's a it's not a high risk pass by any manner of means um, to Enzo Fernandez, and neither Pasalic nor Modric are well enough set to stop him being exactly where you want a midfielder to be in the in the in the first phase of a semi final where there's any degree of opening up because the ball goes between them and it also means that Fernandez is then completely between the lines and his ball through to Alvarez I think is a it, it's not on the level of Messi's um, that we saw the other day for Molina it, it's not on the level anywhere near the level of the genius we saw for the third goal tonight but when Enzo Fernandez plays that ball forward to Alvarez one it's been a really quick vertical move two both Otamendi and Fernandez have taken big chances and three Fernandez's delivery is really good and what happens sometimes in life is if you do your things really really well somebody else might be asleep. And and it isn't quite the, the thing about find the dope that you and I have talked about an awful lot where it's a throw-in or a, a foul that's taken quickly or it's four minutes before halftime and the other team go to sleep and you find the dope. You look for the player who's switched off. But there is a dopey moment because it, it's the case that um, Enzo Fernandez is given far too much time, far too much space. But ultimately, the absolute key irrespective of the positioning of Livakovic, is, is Lovren, who's, who's like, you know, is, is like the tombstones in a Western. They're all ragged. They're all out of position. They all pop up wherever they want to be. Lovren's playing the Manchester City striker on, and suddenly it's it's absolute disaster for Croatia. Yeah, I'm really glad that you, you sort of started the analysis of that penalty move with the sort of aggressive risk-taking at the back for Argentina because I thought they sensed that they didn't have to be that cagey at the back. They defended really aggressively and Otamendi, who is often the punching bag for any criticism of Argentina, actually scarcely put a foot wrong, I thought. Um, Although the damage was done at the other end and, and Croatia really didn't show too much at all, it kind of stemmed from that aggression with which Argentina could defend I thought, but you've talked us right up until the crucial moment of the penalty. You've analysed the build-up to Alvarez, Julio Alvarez, receiving the ball very, very well. So why don't we get into what happened next? Well, get your feet wet. What what do you think happened next? I I have got an absolute clear um, understanding of it, but I'd much rather hear you first. As we have established on this podcast, I am a qualified referee. Yeah. And... The when the the news the local newspaper that I I worked for in your hometown put me through that <laughs> course um, as as punishment almost I think I think it was as punishment um, one of the first <laughs> one of the first things that the 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 local Aberdeenshire uh, referee who was teaching a a college tutorial room full of us. How to uh, how to how to referee football matches. One of the first things he drew our attention to, and he would draw our attention to this repeatedly, as we were put through various different scenarios, was that almost every law in the book begins with the words "if, comma, in the opinion of the referee, comma," and there are blatant red cards that will get ninety five percent agreement uh, across the board. 
I don't think this is one of them. I think this is uh, an offence that a lot of referees would give and some referees would not give. I don't know what the percentage breakdown would be, but my initial reaction was no pen. And that might make me uh, a stick in the mud. It might make me too kind of old school in the way that Ian Wright, Gary Neville and um, Roy Keane all went that way on TV. Perhaps that was groupthink in the ITV studios, I'm not sure. But my initial reaction was, that's his real estate. That's the goalkeeper's real estate. And once that shot's taken, after that, all bets are off. And it wasn't until I saw the sort of second, third, fourth replay, there is a slight movement. His right leg, the goalkeeper's, uh, Livkovic's right leg, follows Alvarez's movement to the right. And that, if you go frame by frame, you know, if you've got the Zapruder footage, that's the moment that um, Alvarez's right knee goes back into the left. Yeah, yeah. He, he fouls him, and I think that uh, certainly my take on it is that I, I don't think there's a debate about whether it's a penalty or not because you I have to point out that in the instances outside the penalty area where a player in movement thinks, well, I, I haven't, my control's not been good enough or I'm, I'm not going to outpace this guy, and, and they run into the opposite player... There is a there is a debate, and it it, it, often, it it very rarely gets interpreted the way I believe it should be from a referee because you you have to say in some instances if a if an offensive player with the ball thinks he can't get past an opponent and runs into them you you say well if if the if the opponent is in the right position and is relatively static then where are they supposed to go the simple fact that Levakovic is is moderately static by the time he gets there doesn't nullify the idea that when Alvarez is running into him, Livakovic does make a movement towards him, does occupy a space where as soon as a keeper, if you're talking about his territory, doesn't get any touch on the ball, there's a very high probability that what happens next is going to be a foul. And given that neither you and I are refereeing on the night, and given that all of those who are listening to us um, now have had their own chance to see it back, there's a very, very clear angle that because there was no indication that VAR was involved, but, but that means we can't quite tell. We, we can't be sure what information Orsato was being given um, in his ear, but there is an angle, a pretty clear angle, where Livakovic's right thigh is out blocking Alvarez's progress and at that point, it's a it's a foul and it's a penalty. The ball is knocked past him. He doesn't touch it. The the long and short is it, it it's given, and and I th- I don't know. You know, you you've talked about pundits um, analysing it their way. One of the truths that separates them from you is that there are relatively few of the modern day ex player pundits who read the laws, and. Many of them, in my experience, thought that it was a negotiated pro- process on the pitch, which is why so many of them complain about referees who won't give you dialogue. And and there were points throughout this match where Messi, who's had a reasonable amount of experience of Orsato, and, and Modric too. In fact, Modric and uh, Guardiol were on opposite ends of this referee during the group stages of the Champions League. Um, albeit that thing Modric didn't start, but Gavardi all did when uh, Leipzig beat uh, Real Madrid. And in the in the run up to that game, I pointed out that Arsato is a guy 
who will not easily give you free kicks that in Spain are judged to be free kicks. So the very fact that the Italian referee saw this as a penalty, bucks. nobody should think that he's a soft guy who gives foul easily because he just isn't. And in the end, what happens is there's no debate about being a red because clearly there's an effort for the ball. That's the double jeopardy rule functioning. Otherwise, in the past, there is a fair chance that poor old Croatia keeper was sent off. And Messi's penalty, which I think is his... I think is his fifth, um, if you count shootouts. It's beautiful, isn't it? I mean, we 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 talked about his his success failure rate, and his his failure rate is in the twenties in in terms of percentage. But because he takes so many, that means that keepers have had a massive amount of chance to study him, to understand him. He's not infallible. I've often told the um, the story about interviewing him immediately after a bus on a win against AC Milan at home. When I said, "What was going through your head um, when you approached the, the the you know the kick from eleven meters?" and he's like, well, "I was looking at how massive the keeper is and how much I'd seen him throw himself about during the rest of the game." Now he scored that one, but I say again, and I think it's worth repeating: if those thoughts are going through Leo Messi's head, then to score like that in a World Cup semi-final for 1-0 with so much of a burden of is he going to make it? Half the world that are not Argentinian want him to to be the one who lifts the World Cup. The, the fact that he's topped this tournament, this is the first time my kids, my, my three boys, two of them at least, have been old enough to be at a World Cup and realise what it means. There's a smidgen of pressure on him, Neil, and the penalty's beautiful. It's absolutely fantastic, and I think we're going to spend most of the remainder of this podcast talking about him. Um, but before we do, like you've just before we got off the penalty completely, you have watched you know a thousand more than that football games over the course of your life and your career. You have seen that challenge a hundred times probably, and you haven't seen it always given. Always given, no. But uh, then you're into fractions that aren't worth our time because. In, in if in that instance, a goalkeeper and a striker, in that instance, in my opinion, it should always be given. Outfield, no, you're absolutely right. And, and maybe there are some referees who say, like you, Livakovic, I'm going to protect you, you're the right to go for the ball. But when there's no touch, Neil, when there's no touch of the ball whatsoever, the keeper instantly converts himself into a, into a, a guy who's committed a foul. And, and uh, you know, now, the, the, the ones where people that matter, so many people that I uh, write for or talk to or that listen to our podcast are exceptionally smart and educated and watch a lot of football and draw good conclusions. And when I feel worst is if I come to a conclusion and maybe it's a little bit rushed or I haven't had a good view from the stadium. And, and then afterwards you listen to people and you think, ah, shit, man. That's right, I got that wrong. I hate that, as referees must uh, too. But in this instance, you know, I have, I have no regrets that that was given. I have no doubts about the interpretation. But I understand your point about how, in the referee's opinion, and, you know, it's the keeper's territory and so on and so forth. And whoever you, you quoted uh, ex-pros who, who, had, who had argued about it, but to my eyes, Osato got it right. I um 
I feel a little bit for uh, Julio Alvarez, although I think he'll have other days. But he has this kind of Michael Owen against Argentina moment. Um, he scores two goals, one of which is kind of like a pound shot facsimile of, of Owen's famous one from France. Um, but it's it's Leo's night. So let's start with the the first of Alvarez's two goals and Messi's role in it. Do you think when we look back at the let's 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 start before that, Neil, because it's a point you make, and I'm and I'm again I'm willing to make a mistake here because I'm not clear. This is my original point. If I'm if I'm not wrong, this is a this is a sh- a, sh- a corner taken short, right? From Modric to Perisic. Now, uh, this is what I was talking about about teams who who think in what like for example. I'm much, much older than you and much, much older than most of the listeners. And therefore, when I was being taught in primary school, whether it was by a gym teacher or by parents, you never, ever, ever, ever passed across the penalty box. I I thought it was the most natural thing in the world. There's a teammate, give it to them. And you were smashed for it. Now, and in recent years, it's de rigueur that you're able to do that. And there are many coaches who think that passing across the penalty area sucks a player in or two players in. And if you can then pass forward or get them into a wrong shape, bang, you've cut players out. So I'm talking about when when good is bad and bad is good or A becomes Z and Z becomes A, right? Over our lifetime. A corner in your favour was A, always good, B, almost never threatening, against you, and C was to be taken into the box. Now, when Modric takes it to, to, to I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure it's Perisic. Look, this is the, this, I don't know, I'm sorry to admit, I don't know who the video analyst is for Argentina. But if you look at where Alvarez is, before Modric has kicked the ball, just by body shape and Perisic's position, Alvarez is on the run from deep inside his own penalty area. So why is he in the penalty area? Well, an extra body to make sure if the ball's crossed in, either he gets the second ball or if there's two men jumping on one because there, was a, there were occasionally the possibilities for slight height advantages, advantages at set plays for Croatia. Alvarez is there initially because otherwise you don't put him so deep. If, if he's going to be the pass rusher, you put him on the edge of the box. But he's not. He's deep in the box. And he goes off at a sprint. And for all the shit statistics we get these days that, that, that show off computer power and, and number nerds, that's one where I want to see his starting position and the speed with which he got to the, the man I'm still going to say is, I think it's Perisic. If I'm wrong, tell me now. And he blocks the ball. And again, I'm going to have to make an essay here because I, I think it's Otamendi. It might have been Enzo. As the ball is blocked, when they, when whoever it is, and, I, and I'm, I'm going to make a punt at Otamendi, as they're running onto it, they're nodding it to Messi. There's, it's a pass, not a clearance, it's a pass. And therefore, from, from the minute that corner is conceded, there's a, there's a dark seed of counterattack planted in Argentina's brain, either by Scaloni, either by the players themselves, or by the analysts. But when they're facing up to Luka Modric's corner, which should in theory be, ah, shit, this could be 1-1, they're thinking, hold on, there's a sniff there's a sniff here, boys. Messi's on his toes, Alvarez makes the sprint. When the ball is... It's like watching a tip in NFL. The initial purpose is make the tip. 
But then everybody's got to be like, what happens when that tip? Who collects it? Who's on their toes? Can you make the first down? Can you make the end zone? That's what they played like there. And therefore, long before Messi turns, doesn't actually make a good job of it at all, I don't think. The, the header out, which I'm going to say, let's say it's Otamendi, is, de- is deliberately directed at Messi. He's at least turning on, on the ball. He's, he's nearly fouled, I, I think it's Brozovic. But Al- when Messi can't get there, and I don't think he would have been given the foul by Orsato, Alvarez is on it. So the, to, 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 I just... I just loved the way in which this guy, who's still effectively a kid, and irrespective of how he's been coached by um, by Pep Guardiola at, at club level, we are still seeing a guy born um, in 2000, not hugely uh, experienced, a guy who's come from River Plate, and yet his mentality is exactly what a World Cup semi-final Balanced at one nil needs. I, I think it's I think it's fabulous. After which, um, yeah, Brozovic can. It, it's desperate and it's an ugly thing to say. But Brozovic can chop him down outside the penalty area. And yes, it's a horrible place to give a, a Messi a free kick. But it, it's neither. You know, it, it's not laterally. It's straight on. It's it's. You you've got to think that Brozovic, looking back at it, goes, "I should have taken him down." Yeah, and it's, and it's probably- so. Yeah, you tell me. No, no, you are Clipper. I was just going to say it's no, you know, it's it's a yellow, not a red. You know, Sosa's there. Yeah, it's 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 it should really be done. I think in a in a in a horrible team. At which point, Juranovic kind of has something approaching a fresh air swipe. Sosa does have a fresh air swipe, and I know that. In his head, you can see the dilemma. You can see him going, where are my brown shorts? Because he's thinking, what if Alvarez nicks this to my right, to his left? Because he's aware that there's a a white and blue shirt there. It happens to be Molina, who's made a massive sprint. Nobody's run with him. But he's offside if the ball's released. And Sosa's calculation in the instant, this is why I go back to the theme of mistakes and how Argentina took advantage of them. There's there's the mistake by Perisic. There's the mistake by... um, Brozovic, there's a mistake by Juranovic, and then there's a, there's just a horror. I, I don't know if there's a proper word for sklaf in, in Croatian, but that's what Sosa does, and it's horrific. And Alvarez is is quick and clever. Things drop for him as as much as he's a bit quick with his left foot to just tip it past the keeper. The chest control is almost involuntary, and. And I, I admire them for the way in which they're like a, they're like a cobra in that move. It's like, ah, you've you've lost your attention. There goes the darting head and the tongue and the venom. Wonderful. That makes me want to watch a replay of that goal because I don't think I saw the breakdown of the corner in his, uh, in his crystal alight as as you've described it there. And now I want to go back and um, and kind of watch it along with watch it along with that analysis. <laughs> um, okay, that's excellent. I like the theme of. I like the theme of Croatian mistakes. I wonder if you're going to find it for the third goal. Let's find out after the break. Hey. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. And we're back with Leo Messi in possession on the right with one of the defenders of the tournament at his back and no imminent danger. Graham Hunter, over your years watching the best player in the world in... I mean, the battle between him and Guardiol all night has been really interesting because when Guardiol wants to to close Messi, it's already causing chaos in behind for Croatia. So there are times when... It's horrible what Guardiola has to go through because you're right. He's been he's been such an impressive, such a a reliable, intelligent defender. But also with the the stuff that you and Pete and I talked about um, building up to today, that right stuff, he's got it as well. And it, it, it to, to be honest with you, it was it was very very clear when you watched him in in German football um, this season. Really, really. Um, impactful. Somebody who you you knew, I, I, in my opinion, was was on the rise, was on the move as a as a prospect. And at Leipzig, um, as I said to you, it's my memory that he was a key footballer in beating Real Madrid in the group game. He scored in that three two win when Leipzig got revenge for their defeat in in the Bernabeu, and. There are so many things in my eyes that that stand out about this goal, and it it takes it, it takes me back at least. And uh, you know, people that don't like this abandoned meander of mine can can you know go and tune into Radio Clyde or Tony Blackburn or Classic FM. But it it takes me it takes me back to something that I wrote about in the book that you forced me to write. Um, you know, which began with a meeting in the in an Italian restaurant just outside. Glasgow Central Station, which, you know, wasn't the best meal that I've ever had, but certainly one of the most important ones. And um, when, when we talked that day, um, we, we were talking about Xavi and, and could 
um, could I reproduce what I'd written for the Sunday Herald? And you wanted to book out at Barcelona. And I said, listen, I, I'm, I'm very sure um, that everybody's heard everything I've got to say. And you said no, and off we went. And the first thing that I did when I started talking about um, Leo Messi was go back to uh, the, the first time I really saw him play, which is when Rob Moore, godfather of my, um, my younger daughter, um, said, Let, let's, go and, let's go to the Mini Estadi, which is now demolished. Let, let's go and watch this kid play. And I went to the mini stadium and they were playing a 4-2-3-1. And I forget who the coach was, but Messi sulked. And I wrote about this in depth in Barcelona, making of the greatest team in the world. My first impression of Messi was, well, hold on a second. What, 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 the, what the hell is all the fuss about? It was autumn 2003 and... We we wanted to go and watch Arnau Riera, who was the captain of Barca B, and there was a there was a chance there's a Volker legend. There's a chance that Rob might try and um, represent him, and I, I wrote that that Messi sulked because at that stage Juan Verdu was a brilliant number ten. He he was playing in the in the line behind the. Um, striker and Messi was made to play out wide and he hated it he absolutely hated it and that day he played as if he sulked but if you watch the days now and he began in Barca's first team as as a winger um, and that's the genesis of how he played Guardiola tonight the ball to him initially is Alvarez so again one of the things that we talked about yesterday about a team which 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 I think so importantly doesn't do what the worst new players coming to Barcelona tended to do, which is like give the ball to Messi in any situation because my God, it's Messi. Oh, I've got to, I've got to give it to Messi. This is a team which tries to wait until it's the right time, the right place for Messi. And there was one time in the first half which was educational for those who haven't seen a lot of them, where Messi gave the ball out wide and, and walked away leaving his teammate um who I think was Molina, and walked into a crowd of Croatia players as if I'm not going to help you. I don't want that. Don't, don't give it to me. Because he knows and he's haughty about, I'll show you when I want it and then don't, don't fucking miss when I want it. And Alvarez gives it to him this moment where Guardiola, I think, believes, yeah, I'm going to jockey this. It's not a problem. And, and to begin with, when Messi gets, squares him up, I don't think anybody really believes, and Guardiola doesn't believe that he's going to outsprint him. But he does. The thing that where Messi outsprints him, even before he puts the anchors on in order to say, "Right, I've got you this far. I'm in a better part of the pitch. I've taken a glance," because he doesn't look again, Messi. He looks at where everybody is about halfway through the dribble. But by the time he erupts and turns Guardiola near the box and gets into the box, he doesn't need to look up to know where Alvarez is because 25 metres deeper, he's t what he sees... I, I was thinking this during the game because we've talked about it a lot and we know that he scans and he retains. But what the things he sees are, are like a night sniper or somebody with night vision glasses can see. Or, or when you, 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 you... I think you say... 
you know, they talk about bulls and red. Well, they can only see black and white. I don't know the comparison. How is it that whales can, can find and suck in plankton and, and process? The human, the, 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 the creation is unbelievable because Messi sees things differently, processes them differently and acts differently than really honestly any player I've ever seen, including all the greats. Um, and, and, and therefore, when, when Guardiola is, is slowed down the first time, it's because Messi's having a look. <laughs> and then he goes off again and he just torments him into a position whereby then he can't follow them. And Guardiola, you know, there were a couple of um, Argentinian bookings, uh, one of which was Otamendi, I think the other was Paredes, and Paredes instantly substituted, where it's just like, go through the back of them. And again, just like Brozovic, Guardiola is now thinking, bollocks, why didn't I just go through the back of him, way out in the touchline? And I don't know, was it fair play? Was it complacency, this is safe? You know, if it was Laurence Olivier and and Dustin Hoffman, then the answer was, no, look out, here comes the, the White Angel. Lee Dixon was on analysis for that goal and he sort of described the fullback's torment at being slowed down and, and sped up in, in that fashion. But you're right, you know, the lack of a look from, from Messi is, is kind of what makes it, especially when you look at the position that Alvarez ends up in, which is in the middle of a triangle of Croatian defenders. So how do you even get the ball to him if you are looking? It's, well, it, and it's a nutmeg, isn't it? Now, uh, I, I think almost any other player, you'd say, well, God, he, got, he got one lucky there. But with Messi, when he nutmegs Guardiola in, in the cutback for the, for the goal, you're like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's just different. And it was just about as done as done can be at that point. The couple of things that stood out to me was your idea that you, that you uh, spoke about the last time we were discussing Argentina, which was, oh, I think yesterday, was that Messi has been playing this tournament in moments, not in matches. Um, I was trying to think that there was a, a Cruyff quote, or at least it's a Cruyffian idea, that I'm not going to play at full throttle for 90 minutes. I'm going to give you absolutely everything in short bursts and, and Messi's certainly been doing that and he was doing that as you said in this game at times he was walking away from the action and I think it's an evolved state of mind across the entire squad because there were there were long periods of time where they tried their hardest to say to Messi Dybala's your partner because he can play because he's sumptuous He'll be the 10 or he'll be the wide guy supplying you. You'll be the nine. And it, it, it just, I don't know if, it's, if, if it was an incompatibility technically or whether it was about Dybala's need to play at a different rate or his willingness about when and how to release the ball to Messi. I don't know. But Alvarez has changed Messi in this team in that, his work ethic is sensational. He's young enough and has played a, a controlled amount of minutes for Manchester City such that he's not out on his feet. His pace is quite good. But the thing that stands out for a kid that was you know, born 22 years ago is how quickly he's understood Messi's needs. I'm not saying it's perfection. I'm not saying it's like Luis Suarez and Neymar were with Messi. Uh, or 
or Mbappe has become because there, there's a clear, you know, whatever they feel about one another, there's a, there's a clear understanding from one to the other about what's needed. But Alvarez's ability at a young age and with very little, as important a club as River Plate are, they don't play at the level that Manchester City do. They don't. Um, so his ability to adapt to when Messi wants the ball, what space to um, occupy, when to make a movement for Messi and, and allow him to complement your Cruyffian idea about, you know, I'm, I'm going to play in bursts. I'm not going to play at full tilt for 90 minutes at 35 years old. But the thing that the change of culture that goes beyond that partnership is that almost everybody in that Albi Celeste team and whether it's what maturity they've reached as men or what experiences they've gained as footballers or the confidence taken from winning the Copa America in a, in a pretty thuggish way in the final, or whether it's Scaloni, or whether it's a composite of all of the above, when they, when they, when they play in bursts, they don't play for fun. That's the thing I, I really like. They, they have got consistently, and across their unbeaten, or it's not unbeaten run anymore, but they must be, they must be over 40 games. Now, as soon as they came into the match... Uh, 35 unbeaten, this is what, match six? So they must be 41 or 42 with one defeat. That's been an element of, we're not going to outplay you all the time. Um, we, we, we can win from the ropes, which they did in the Copa America final. But when, we, when he moves, when he punches, when he's ready, we all go. The attitude is nasty. And, and that's what wins your tournaments. We've spoken a lot about the main man there. So let's just wrap it up briefly by going off the pitch. And at a World Cup where this hasn't always been the case, I just thought you got a sense of colour and noise from this massively partisan stadium that was actually a welcome, a welcome relief after quite a lot of neutrality and even empty seats earlier in the tournament. Yeah, the song that's the, the big song that they're all singing that you get the players dancing a lot. And it's, there's a dancing thing going on, isn't there? Because... I personally thought that the Brazilian dancing on, on during those magical, magical goals against South Korea, I understood it and I enjoyed it. And I didn't think for a second it was meant to, or in fact did, humiliate South Korea. And the moment when they go and get Tiche dancing too, so long as you punch your way and win the tournament, it's fine because it was hugely enjoyable. But you know you'll have your, you know, your bollocks hung on a lamppost if you don't win the tournament and you've done that. And there'll be a lot of people who immediately go, well, you do your dancing after the game. You, you know, you serve your revenge cold. And watching the, the substitutes dancing and swinging their arms in the air like the fans do, and then the entire squad in front of the noisiest end, singing this, I, I was born in Argentina, the land of Diego and, and Leo, the land of the kids who died in the Malvinas, the Falklands, who will never forget. I, I can't ever explain to you because you're never going to um, understand the finals that we've lost and how many years we've cried for. But this, um, the, the, but this is coming to an end because in the Maracanã, the final against the Brazilians, our man won it. And... Um, Guys, the second court, the second part is guys. Now we're gonna be proud again. We're gonna win our third World Cup. We want to be the champion of the world. And Diego up in the heavens will be able to watch us. 
and we'll be able to see Don Diego cheering on Leo Messi. And it sounds rubbish. I mean, it sounds crap in English and without the music. But when you get, there was an 88,000 crowd um, tonight in Lucille. And when you get, I don't know, what, 50,000 of them? Maybe more? Constantly singing, constantly bouncing up and down, like the, 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 what we've seen from Rosario Central or River or, or Boca. Um, it's, it's an extraordinary phenomenon and one which takes us back to the big interview, the first big interview with uh, Kev Bridges, who made it as soon as he was successful, his life's mission to spend some of his money going out to spend time in Argentinian football, simply to to jump up and down in concrete stadiums that felt like they were, not only were, felt like they were moving, they were moving, but felt like they might collapse. And um, I'd imagine Kev watched that with some enjoyment and some nostalgia for his days in, as, a, as a supporter, as a muchacho, as a barra brava in Argentinian football. And the man that was on, and the man that was on with us yesterday, Neil, you know what he did. He gave up his, his job in Fleet Street to go and travel South, Af- South America and to spend time in Argentina and, you know, to make an extended year out in South American football culture and then come back to Barcelona. And Pete texted me during the game going, you know, how privileged have we been to live a third of our careers as close as we have to Leo Messi? And, he, and he's right. He's absolutely right. And, and lucky we all are to, to get to, to watch him. And it was fantastic to feel just a little slice of that atmosphere. And I'm really looking forward to seeing some more of it, feeling some more of it on Sunday. Looking forward to speaking to you on the other side, not just of that game, but of the second semi-final as well tomorrow. For now, big interview listeners, thanks for being there. I hope you enjoyed that as much as we did. Speak again tomorrow. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.